Roots Racing Culture is made possible in part by the contributions to PBS Utah from listeners like you. Thank you. Hey everybody, you're listening to Roots, Race, and Culture, a new podcast from PBS Utah. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your friends. All right, now let's get this thing started. Hello everyone, and welcome to Roots, Race, and Culture, our new show on PBS Utah, where we bring you into candid conversations about shared cultural experiences. I'm Daner Gerald. Hey, and I'm Lonzo Liggins. According to the latest data from the Pew Research Center, roughly 80% of black voters in America are registered Democrats. Many black Americans tend to shy away from Republicans. However, over the last six years, black conservatism has garnered a lot of attention. In a recent article for Newsweek, it said the Republican National Committee expects a record number of black nominees for the House. But there are some liberals who say black conservatives are being used by white conservatives to weaken the Democratic Party and dismantle the strength of the black vote. While there are some conservatives who say liberalism is destroying the black community and conservatism is the answer to black America's adversities. Well, joining us to unpack this topic is James Evans and Carrie Bartholomew. Thank you for having me. Well, Carrie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I moved here recently from Seattle, Washington. I thought that I would be seeking refuge in a red state. I've been a conservative for a very, very long time. Um, and it's been interesting to see that things in this state are not the way that I thought they would be. And so I find myself standing up to the plate and speaking out on behalf of Blexit and Utah Parents United and other parent groups. Awesome. And then the legend, James Evans. James, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I don't know about legend, but (laughs) yeah. So I was a former chair of the Utah Republican Party, served in the state Senate, first black Republican to be elected to the Utah State Senate, and former military, uh, former captain in the U.S. Air Force. So I, after getting out of the military, I relocated to Utah, very red state. I hope it continues to be a red state. You know, Carrie is pointing out some concerns, which we all have, and hopefully we can make sure through these processes, continue to educate voters why conservative choices tend to be better choices. And you went to Tuskegee. Tuskegee graduate, yes. That's awesome, man. I love that. I love that so much. Yes, right. Nice. We got to jump right into this. I think the first question we have to ask is, what is the difference between Republican and conservative? Well, Republican is a political party. So you can be a conservative. You could, as a conservative, you could be a Republican or a Democrat or Libertarian. Conservative, Conservative is a philosophy. Okay, it tends to focus on traditional values, uh, modest in uh, government spending, and that's a philosophy. Republican is a political party, and our ideals tend to align, but we do have Republicans that are moderate and also liberal. Uh, on social issues, they may be more conservative on fiscal issues, but just like you have some Democrats that are very conservative on, cons- um, on social issues, but more liberal on fiscal issues. So conservatism is a philosophy. I hear this term traditional values. What does that mean? Sure, yeah. Um, I, I break it up a little simpler than that. I think, um, I think that there are Republicans and Democrats that pretty much share a line in their values. And I would go as far as to say it's the difference between populist and being kind of for the people. Um, which I think the new kind of conservative movement is much more for the people. We're much more focused on 
just your everyday person? Like, what is the what is the person at the grocery store going through? What is the person <laughs> at Walmart? What is the parent? What is the student going through? And forever, that's been a um, Democrats have said that that is their their line, and it's really I think there's a shift. Yeah, I think that's important because to me the 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 value in the political process um, is all about you know for the people, right? By the people, like the the founding fathers, you know, set things up so that that people could have a voice. That's like what America's all about. So I, I really think that's a good thing to point out. But we have to make sure we understand the traditional values from the founders of this country is that the individual American right. is the sovereign, yeah. not the government. And what has happened with the Democrat Party in particular is that they believe in a larger government, which basically takes sovereignty away from the individual American and transfer that power to the government. And so when you have a larger government, you're going to have less freedom and fewer rights. And so conservatives want to focus on making sure the individual American is the sovereign and has the authority. And that is essentially what the founders of this country, um, you know, that was their sole focus because they left Europe and they saw how corruption happens at the government level. Yeah. And we're starting to see that now because our government has gotten so massive um, that um, that's why everyone is just upset. And I can just point it out, big government, little people. Right. Big people, little government, it's that simple. Uh, and I wanna get into that. I really wanna get into that, <laughs> the, the larger government question there. But before we do, uh, I wanna ask you a question, uh, and I wanna start with you on this one, James. Why is it that black people are Democrats in this country? Why is it the vast majority, like I said, roughly 80% of black people are Democrats? Because I believe the Democrat party back to uh, Roosevelt focused on identity politics. So they put all of their constituencies in boxes. If you're a woman, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, you know, then they focus on what they think your needs are. And, and Republicans don't like to put people in identity boxes. It's like, what do you believe? I've, I've always been asked as a Republican by other Republicans, tell me what you believe. They wanna know, are you a liberal, are you a moderate, are you a conservative based on your values and your political philosophy. They could care less about your skin color hmm. or your gender. And that's the fundamental difference. So when you have uh, a party like the Democrat Party, and this is important to note, you can go back to FDR. Did you know that, that black voters and blacks have to be very pragmatic? They were in a party where the Klan was the dominant force and the Democrat Party and blacks joined the Democratic Party during that time. So politics makes strange, bed, strange bedfellows, doesn't it? So the Democrats have always been very good at appealing to what they think the needs are of different constituencies. Whether they deliver on it or not is another issue. And, and Republicans have just focused on, these are our core values, this is our political philosophy, we want a limited government, you know, we want economic freedom, we want personal freedom, individual liberty, all of those sorts of things. So it's, it sounds to me, and, and just consider me a layman because I don't really follow a lot of politics personally. Um, it sounds to me like what, what he's saying is that the Democrats were able to target different groups demographically and use that as their ability to pull people into their party versus the Republican philosophy. They weren't necessarily saying, okay, how do we 
break out these cross sections and and give them what they need so that they'll vote for us. Is that is that? Yes, but I think <clears throat> excuse me. I think that a lot of that has to do with um, with preconceived notions of what it is that African Americans or other identity politic groups need. So for me, for an example, I became a conservative when I was 18 and I asked, I was in foster care and I asked my favorite teacher, I said, what, what political party should I be? And she goes, well, that's each easy. She's a white woman. And she said, um, you're black and you're poor, you're a Democrat. And wow. just to automatically wow. assume that being black and poor meant that I always wanted to be that or that I always would be that was such that low expectations. Wow. And I feel like that is what has happened over and over and over again. Um, I, when I listen, when I listen, it was awful. It was, yeah, I mean, that's it, a horrible well, thing to say. Was, I mean, like, was, there's so many things not then, right about that. I was only 18 and I was just like, oh, okay. And then I walked out of the room and I was like, I don't want to be poor forever. So I guess I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> and that's the way that that's the way that I looked at things. But when you have these preconceived notions, when you go back to traditional values, to assume that our preconceived notions are the same as what their what their ideas are, are not correct. Like African-Americans still right. probably more so. And I don't know the statistics on this, but but probably more so than other um, racial groups, we're still people of faith. We're, we're still people who lean a lot towards our Christian or, or Muslim background, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to some of the things that they want to bring in, that the Democrats want to bring in, that they're saying, you know, like, uh, a man and a woman, it doesn't set well. It's like, what? what? What are you saying? And to assume that you know where we're coming from is going back to what James says. It's putting us in these boxes and you don't know us on an individual level. Right, well, well I, think, I think like with, with a lot of black Americans, okay, I can't speak for all black Americans, but I think when you look at the Republican or conservative parties today, it, it feels from the outside looking in that there's hostility, okay? When I see guys driving up and down the street with big American flags rolling up and down, and I see there's just a lot of hostility towards black communities. If I go onto Twitter, if I go onto Instagram, and I start maybe arguing a point with someone who may, may, or, may or may not be a conservative, may or may not be white or black, or whatever, instantaneously within a, a few exchanges, I'm getting this, these, these, these daggers thrown at me. You, why don't you people do this? Why don't you be there for your children? Why don't you do that? It seems like there's a lot of hostility that's aimed at black people for voting Democrat. When there may be legitimate reasons for black people voting Democrat, like maybe that's a logical solution in their community. Maybe a, a, someone in their community said, hey, look, this is what we're gonna do for your community if you vote for us. They've given them those options. But when you go online, it seems like you're getting attacked for being a Democrat, and that may feel like a safe place. I don't feel a lot of safety with, with conservatives right now. I do see some solutions that I like, but I don't know if I feel safety. What do you guys think about that? Well, it's interesting that you, you, you bring that up because how do you know that those were even conservatives or Republicans that responded to you? Because they said they were. Oh, okay, they said that they were. Right, okay. Right. Well, I mean, we won't go into how the left can pretend to be conservatives just to attack, to keep you focused on being a Democrat, but Democrat, not that you're a Democrat, but I'm saying the generic Democrat. No, 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 no. But let me make this point. The um, part of when you asked the question about blacks being Democrats, the being a Democrat has become a part of the black culture. And that's rooted in the fact that the black church 
has been a, a place for social change. And so Democrat politicians would always show up. And so, and imagine a young child in church listening to the preacher, and then there's a Democrat politician, and their mind are gonna start melding these things. And that's why so many blacks feel like somehow it's a sin or to not be a Democrat. So it's, it's, it's so cynical at its nature that, um, that and, and, Democrat, and the Democratic Party knew what they were doing when they, you know, adopted this strategy. So they have socialized blacks into being Democrat. So when you put solutions on the table, you can literally put a solution on the table and, and it's a conservative solution. But if you say it's by the Democrats, a black would say they support it. But it, when they learn it's from a Republican, then they don't support it. So it's, it's, at, a, it's at a visceral level yeah. that we have to get to. So your sense about safety, um, Republicans tend to uh, say what we need to hear, and Democrats tend to say what we want to hear. We want to be validated. We want people to, it's like, no, sometimes you have to have the hard truth. I, I value my parents for always telling me what I needed to hear more than what I wanted to hear. And my friends that do that, and that's what you have to do. And that's the fundamental difference, I think, between Republican and Democrat. I wanted to ask, oh, go ahead. There, the, the, when you were talking about using the church for political things, the first thing that came to my mind was this idea of separation of church and state, right? Which, I mean, that may not be the same type of thing, but that's what it made me think about. So that's interesting. Well, I wanted to go back to your, like the flag. Mm. I don't, I don't feel unsafe by the flag. It's like, so, unsafe, I don't feel unsafe by it. It just feels very hostile, right? I, again, I, no, I'm sorry. When, when people say right, I always feel like you want want me to agree, but I can't agree with that because when I I work for a charter and we say our pledge of allegiance every single day, and you know it's injustice for all, and I take that exactly as as it's meant to be. I, I take that as every single person, every single identity that you fit in, including the African-Americans. So I find it extremely disheartening that so many people would feel like America is not for them. And, yeah. and where, where were we taught that? Because I think that's ultimately what comes down to why we, why we tend to be Democrats. We were taught to be Democrats. We were, we were told whether or not the, the idea was, um, whether or not that, that idea was something that had good intentions mm -hmm. or whether or not, because sometimes I feel like it was from the plantation to, oh, you're a victim and we need to take care of you. I want to I stop, I want to I <laughs> I I hit on that victim thing. But I want to go to the solutions. You mentioned solutions, James. You, you had written in an article that you think a lot of the solutions are in the black, or in economics in the black community. What do you two see as solutions to some of the problems in African-American communities around the country? Well, we can just follow, we, I mean, we have some great examples that we can follow. First, we can go back to our history. Mm -hmm. And um, when, when uh, slavery ended uh, in 1865, from 1865 to 1910, blacks accumulated 10 million acres of land in the United States, okay? And, and how many acres had whites accumulated? Well, no, I'm only talking about what blacks accumulated because the population would have been a lot smaller. Okay, so but but I'm going to compare that to today. So from 1865 to 1910, blacks accumulated actually actually I think it was 19.8 million acres, and today blacks own less than 10 million acres. 
So you have to ask yourself, well, how were blacks able to accumulate that amount of land during that time where there were two things that were that happened? Number one, government was much smaller. So you had individuals just doing commerce. You know, mm -hmm. the only color that tends to matter in the private sector is green. You have something to sell. I have something I want to buy and vice versa. So. So that kind of, um, you have to say, well, then maybe society wasn't what we thought it was after slavery. Uh, and, and, but more importantly, it was, it was blacks that knew that they had to go out and do it. There was no other option. Sure. And, and it's that mindset that we have to get back to. Our ancestors have showed us this over and over and over again, even though, yes, as government got larger and, and opposition became more organized mm -hmm. by people misusing government, because every time in our, every, um, I would say, disadvantage that you have seen uh, in the black community through the Black Wall Street riots, Jim Crow and all of that, it has been because of a misuse of government power. It has never been individual Americans, white Americans, they can never do it by themselves. They've always had to use government. So we have to understand that government, the misuse of government power is our greatest threat. And what Democrats want us to focus on is that it's individual white Americans, and it's not. It's where, gov it's where Democrats focus, they want more government. And when you have more government, you're gonna have more problems because you're gonna have the misuse of government power. So what blacks have to recognize is that we have to economically cooperate. But step number one is, is that we have to recognize we must do it. No sure. one else is going to do it for us. Right, right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, I think that we need to champion education again. You know, when after... After BLM and they made so much money, I was like, okay, where's those charter schools? Where are these lifting of our black children? Because we've taught our black children that to succeed is whiteness. This is, this is a problem. You know, I feel like the solution is teaching them that, hey, there's amazing books out there. They don't all have to be about, you know, some kind of studies. They don't, they don't all have to be some kind of ethnic studies. They can be an amazing book. They can be classical literature. These things are cool. And we need to turn it back and turn our kids into that achieving is, is awesome. We need to go to our prisons and we need to have options for these people when they get out of prison that you don't have to go to do fast food or you don't have to go back and repeat a crime again. Instead, here's other options for you. I wondered, well, where are our junior tech colleges? Like, why don't we have these things? Because these would be solutions. Instead, we, the, the flip side of that is let's lower the bar so that black and brown kids can compete. That's the Democrat side. The, the conservative side is, no, we want them all to have a seat at the great table. We want them all to have the best, most powerful education. We want them all to have the best chance at succeeding in life. So you think that, uh, I just want to make sure I'm getting sure. this right. So you think that the, the, the answer to the issues in the community would be education and also economic cooperation. Economic, but how do, how, do you, how do you speak to the masses of, of, of the black population and say, this is how it needs to be done? And it seems to me kind of odd that we would be the only community that wouldn't require any government. Because I look and I see people, 
in particular white communities using government all the time. I see them using government right now for right. critical race theory to be able to get their to, to be able to get those laws passed to be have that right. outlawed. So I feel like what's happened a lot of times is that we're telling the black community do it on your own, even though we don't do it on our own. But now that's you not have what I'm saying. Have, but 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 you have to have a government to be able to take care of because there's obviously the law enforcement issue that's happening because there's there's crime that's happening. Not every black person's out there committing crime. Right. A small percentage of black people committing crime. So you have to tackle that issue in black communities first and then you got to tackle the you know how we're going to get jobs and how we're going to revitalize the communities as well we've been able to do that in this country i mean look at what happened with the new deal i know that's a controversial topic but that was big government and it worked that was a larger government solution that happened to help out america after it, it helped out with, white america right blacks were not a part out of it america it was a government solution though no it was a government solution for white america and this is the point that i keep saying is that the government will never make us economically successful. Oh, no, no, well, they no, can, I, I, job, I'm not saying that at all. Their job is to make sure that, that, uh, that we're treated uh, within the bounds of the law. You know, if, if we're transgress against that, you know, then the law will come and protect us. Yeah, and it makes sure of like that- like an ideal government. No, but that's what the government's right? supposed to be. Right, yeah. um, and so we can't look to government for our economic liberation. That's not going to happen. If they can just make sure society um, we're treated fairly in society. On our own devices, we can lift ourselves up because we have done that over and over and over again. Through Absolutely. We have one point, there are 42 million blacks in America. Our, our, our collective GDP, if you want to use that term, is $1.5 trillion. So we would be larger than Canada. Okay. Absolutely. So, so the resources are there. We just have to decouple ourselves from this victim mentality that the Democrat Party has basically thrust it upon us and say that somehow we have to look to others for our salvation. And it's like, we're, we're happy to partner and have allies, great, but it has to be on an agenda that will lift us up and not someone else's agenda of saying, we'll come help you, but we need you to do the following. It's like, no, what we need to do is make sure that, that each child can have two parents that we can have safe neighborhoods, that we have the opportunity to uh, engage in commerce, create our own businesses. There are three things that free slaves did right out the bat. They bought land, they built churches, and they built schools for their kids. Okay, those yep. three things right there. We'll get back to this conversation on roots, race, and culture in just a moment. PBS Utah is also home to other dynamic podcasts. More Than Half covers some of the most challenging issues facing women in Utah and how it takes all of us to make change happen. Here's a clip from the episode, A Separate Space. I don't think a lot of people realize that it's just not common for people of color, especially women of color, to see themselves in the stories that, you know, we're reading. Subscribe to More Than Half wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to Roots, Race, and Culture from PBS Utah. So I, I, I okay. want to get into yeah, we're back. the last two statements. <laughs> let's go well, again. Well, let's talk about this, though. <laughs> but before we go into that, I, I want to talk about uh, there's a, uh, a voter thing happening in Congress right now. There's a bill voting rights, yeah, on voting rights. rights. Voter integrity. Voter yeah. integrity. Like, mm -hmm. where do you guys stand on that? Well, I mean, you're talking about the John Lewis uh, 
voting rights uh, yes. bill. Yeah. Yes. So w we already have voting rights. And like they talked about the Georgia law was so restrictive. Well, Georgia has more voting days in their early voting days in their in their law than Delaware has, and that's where Joe Biden is from. But for some strange reason, they poll tested uh, the 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 uh, phrase uh, Jim Crow. You know, they this is the the look. I've been involved in politics a long time. This is just a cynical move to try to gin up the black vote by saying you're being denied something. It's not that, that you just have to have an ID. If you don't have an ID, you can use a utility bill. They have all sorts of ways you can identify yourself. And yeah. the bottom line is, is that this is just another manufactured um, assault on the black community to show that Republicans don't like you and Democrats, but we like you type thing. Mm. And that's what we have to not allow ourselves to be used um, uh, in that way, because it does not, it is, first of all, it's not going to elevate our standard of living. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, we're being used once again right. by political, uh, op, uh, political organization for a benefit, um, to their organization, which is to push a progressive agenda, which I don't think is necessarily in our best interest. So here's, here's the thing, like with, when it comes to liberals, okay. And, and here's some things I don't dislike about. The, the, some things I dislike about them. I don't like the symbolic gestures that are used. I don't like the fact that there's actually not a lot of actual solutions that are on the table that you can, you can bite into. One of the problems I had during uh, 2020 was when Ice Cube was offered a deal by Trump. Um, it was the platinum plan, you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. And Biden said, well, you know what? Let's wait till after the election and then I'll show you what my plan is. And then right. he didn't respond to it. Now, I was happy when Trump offered that. You know, I, I didn't like Trump. I, yeah. I, I still don't. But I, I was like, at least someone's providing a solution because those solutions are economic. It was almost a form of reparations. People want to hear that word, but it was almost a form of reparations. And there's certain things that liberals will do that I notice will try and curry the black vote. You know, I like Ketanji Brown. I think she's great. But I feel like that's a symbolic gesture on behalf of Joe Biden. It's not actual physical stuff that's going to improve the black community. And I'm all about solutions when I hear about thousands of young black men dying in this country. And it's become background noise in this country. It's become background music. We don't even pay attention to it anymore. We're caught up with these small issues such as, no offense, but critical race theory, where, <laughs> where that's a big issue with people, but young black men dying and killing each other every day isn't. And I have to ask myself, when I think of what the conservatives are offering for those solutions, I don't see a lot in, in, in way of them solving that problem other than to say to black people, vote Republican and, and we'll solve the issue but I don't see physical, tangible solutions or fix your own community or go out and you know, you, 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 be, you be the boss of your own community and fix that. That doesn't work because you gotta go out there with a bullhorn and tell everybody what, how to change themselves and that's not gonna happen. No, we have to start again, we have to start with our kids when they're in school. We have to stop making the gang life glorified. And again, if I sound defensive, I agree. I I'm agree. from the gang life. That's where, that's where I come from, from the foster system. My stepfather was a crip, okay? So I understand. I understand this, the problem. And when you have a two-year-old, a two-year-old child who is taught to turn their hand this way and go bang, bang, shoot the pigs, and everybody in the family thinks that's adorable, then these kids are growing up and being taught 
this is cool, this is manly. That's a huge part of the, of the masculine thing. That's not the solution. The solution is to take these kids and say, you are so capable. You can do anything with your life and to not put, not put limits on them not to put limits and, and have all of these, like I think that you should have these stories of what you've come from, but you should also have the stories. I've, probably the most frustrating and lack of solution I've seen is our Black History Month is Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. Right. And that's all we hear. We do not hear about how, as James was saying earlier, the successes that African-Americans have achieved. We don't hear these stories. When I was a kid, I thought that people were either, like if you were a wealthy African-American, you were an athlete or an actor, period, or a yeah. singer. That's yeah. all I knew about. I didn't I know that anybody was doctors and lawyers. I hear you. And why, our solution, go mentor. Yeah. You know, you, you did say Sorry. something earlier. No, you're fine. Uh, you said something earlier, and I was kind of curious about it. You said that, you know, we are taught to feel a certain way about government. and and. Part of it for me was, I was thinking, yeah, but when you go to the policing issue and that sort of thing, that's a visceral, a good word that you used earlier, that's a visceral sort of reaction that individuals and co the collective community has. And I feel like it's nobody has to teach you to be afraid if you see people who look like you being shot, right? You're gonna, you're gonna be afraid on your own. So uh, anyway, that, that's kind of out of context, but it was just something you said earlier. And, and I do think that teaching is valuable. Education is the key, right? I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that for, for anyone's success, no matter what color your skin is. But I do think that people have that sort of innate human reaction to things. And that's where we have to come up with solutions that provide the education. I just so think why it takes a village. I think it takes more than just telling right, black Hillary, people what to about do. About the village, I got you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, what I'm saying is, uh, what I'm saying by that is that it takes more than just. Uh, you know, I used to work with juveniles from Philadelphia and from uh, uh, Washington D.C. Work with young gang members. I worked with them for a long time, and, and and we would get in there and we would say, okay, change your behavior. We'd fix them up. We'd 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 set them up, and then the minute they'd go back into the community. It was lights out within six months. So, and the problem with it is that, we, yes, you can change an individual person, but if, if, if more than five or six people or 10 people or groups of people are doing something in a particular community, it becomes a societal issue. It becomes, true. we know that in terms of like, when you look at the, 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 the um, who are the, the people in West Virginia, the whites in West Virginia up in the, Appala the Appalachian, Appalachian mountains, mountains. Right, there's a cycle of poverty that's created and cycle of poverties are difficult to break out of. We know that it's, it's, it's not easy to walk into a community and say, okay, everyone just get together and you become a doctor and you become a lawyer. I could, I'd love to educate people, but it requires more elements than that. And the problem is too complex for there to be one solution. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I hear a lot of, within the conservative rhetoric, I hear them saying, you know what? Well, why don't you just all do it by yourselves and you can fix it? We'll remove the government and just, just, just rely on you guys to start building businesses. Well, 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 With what resources? This. Let me ask you this. Okay, I, 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 I uh, understand your point. So in every place where we have uh, these these horrible conditions, Chicago, right. Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Just They're Democrats. Pick them all. They're, they're all Democrat <laughs> control. I mean, the tax base is Democrat control. The policy making, all of that is Democrat control. So why haven't their solutions worked? Well, here's the thing. It's not about the, the, the liberal solutions working. It's about saying that if if if... If there's a conservative solution to the problem, 
if, if you were to tell black people in those communities, okay, well, why don't you just vote conservative, do you think that their problems would just melt away and no, all of a sudden? No, I think it's about incentivizing. Um, when, when Trump was in office, Ben Carson did some amazing work with the foster community. Mm -hmm. So he took people who were aging out of care and he provided this program. And yes, there were other people involved, but he was the head of HUD at the time. So he provided this program in which foster kids were able to get therapy, um, health insurance, um, medical insurance, schooling, and life skills training and housing. Mm -hmm. But they were required to pay back, I think it was like 12%. Someone can check me on that, but there, there was a percentage that they were required to. So I think what, the, what I've realized is that when we hand out, so first off, no, I don't agree in hand. I don't yeah, agree in yeah, just like giving you know, people money like, and because say go. The whole thing is like a government is that is big enough to give you everything you want is strong enough to take away everything you need. Okay, so I I'm agree. super anti that. Mm. But I do think that if you give people the incentive to improve their lives mm. and you show them that it's possible, because it is not possible to to get off food stamps, white or black or Mexican or Latin or I mean whatever you want to be, right? So. Um, it's not possible to get off food stamps if to get off food stamps, it means you're going to starve. So you say, while you're working in this situation, like in the foster system, they have these two years of, of trainings, right? While you're working in that, you get all of these services, but then you have to pay a little bit back. That's that incentive. That's the, that's the building a personal sense of responsibility. And I feel like that is how we find the solutions. We say, we're going to help you. And no, I mean, we're literally going to stay right here with you mm -hmm. and give you what you need to the point that you can get where you don't need us anymore. Right. And you can take pride so in the fact that you don't need that anymore. Fish versus exactly. Fish That's, that is well, my, fully why I'm concerned. If we're going to break down the black community and say, look, why don't we rebuild our cultural identities, which is what you alluded to with the yeah. Nigerian thing. And by the way, a lot of those Nigerians that come in here come from wealthy families. That can be argued because mm -hmm. you're not seeing a bunch of poor. What poor Nigerian is going to be able to get to the United States to go to school? But, <laughs> but mean, if there was this racism, they would be blocked from being able to achieve. So right, that was the point of that. But I think the attack is not on, on, on specifically on race in this country. I think it's on black culture. I think a lot of people dislike black culture, certain types of black culture. Like you and I, uh, well, the four so of us. We. We're, we're, I don't we're, want a gang lifestyle or all of this gangster rap and all. The, all none of that's productive when they're calling black women all of these, uh, you know. That's not black culture. culture. To me, that's gang. That's culture. what you that's, see that's, on that's TV. Drug culture. That's but, not black culture to me. I'm not. I, I don't right, equate right, that but, to black but, culture. But, but that's what they put on TV. Like for instance, I'm from uh, South Carolina. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, two historically black colleges in my hometown. Everyone I knew growing up was college educated. Mm -hmm. I just assumed that, or I was taught that college. I mean, that education ended after you got your your bachelor's degree. Mm. You never knew that college was an option. I was just taught it was mandatory. Right. right, right, right. My, I had relatives from up north, same family. They have a different culture. Right. You know, and they were foreign to me when they would come visit. You see, they had a whole different perspective on life. So, yes, we are tribal by nature, meaning that it could be based on skin color or shared experiences. Um, and I know that from being in the military, because when we're overseas or whatever, all we cared about was do you know how to do your job? Because I need you to watch my six. I didn't care what you look like, where you came from. I care that you could. So we're always um, working in tribes right, based right. on shared interests. Right, right. And right now, when I when I was talking about with the Democrats, they've been they perfected the art of 
convincing us our shared interests is that that they will protect us from racism. You know, this boogeyman out there, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly how they're able to identify it all the time, but they use the word an awful lot for everything, right? So that's the, because when I graduate, when I turn 18, I registered to vote as a Republican. Mm -hmm. And I told my folks, I said, yeah, I registered and I'm voting. And I told them, you know, I'm voting for Reagan. I'm, I'm registered to vote. And my parents are like, wait a minute, why did you register as a Republican? I said, well, Reagan is saying everything that you've taught us, you know, me and my brothers, mm -hmm. everything we grew up, that Reagan was talking about, my parents would always say. So I just assumed my parents were Republican too, because they were saying the same thing that, but they were like, no, we're Democrat. And the only reason that I think my parents were Democrat is because they believed that the Democrats would protect them from racism, mm -hmm. you see? And is that, that, that brings me to an interesting point. Um, you know, Utah is a very unique state. We are a very small portion of this population. Um, tell us, you know, in some closing thoughts, what is it like being black and conservative living in Utah? Is that, what is it that makes that experience unique? You guys have lived in other parts of the country. Uh, give us some closing thoughts on that experience. Well, you guys have talked a lot about the about tribal and probably because of my kind of unique experience of growing up in the foster system and living in so many homes with so many different people, I don't have a tribal sense. Mm. But everywhere I go, so so I get the I get the black liberals and also the white Karen liberals, <laughs> a lot of them just labeling me on social media and I'm like, you don't know me. I spoke at one event one time and now you think that you know me mm. and you're putting all of these things on me. All these labels. That make, that make no sense whatsoever. But everywhere I go, I mean, the reality is, is that race is it's a part of who we are, right? So even if we don't have, none of us share the same experiences, none of us have the same growing up lifestyles, right? But wherever we go, that's the first thing people see. It is the first thing people see. My issue is, and this is what I find with conservatives, for the most part, it's an oh moment. And then it's like moving on and it's, it, it really is. It's just a quick little oh moment. And then so what else do you have to offer? At least it used to be mm. even like months ago. Okay. Um, now it's moving. Now, now that kind of mistrust is is moving across and so now i'm at this place where my choice is these people these people are over here saying oh but with your story you would be such a strong voice for our cause and these people over here it's like so i have to be a token mm. and i don't want to be a token like mm. i just want to be me yeah. i just want to be appreciated for the person that i am yeah. and for all of the many things that i offer not just to be, oh, that black girl, that black woman who, who speaks eloquently, you I know? <laughs> I mean, really, and I love that. that's, that's, that's what it's like. So everywhere you go, you do have that on you. Mm. But I will say with conservatives, it's a blip. And with liberals, it seems to be more like an essential part of who you are mm. and like the most important part of your, who you that are. That goes against your nature and, and your feelings about your self-identity. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. That. I understand that. It's painful. It's it's quite it's you know, I moved here going I'm going to get some rest mm. because when my son was born we lived here and I thought I'm I'm going to get some rest. This isn't here. 
and now it's here. And, and like to have Congress say, you don't get to speak because you don't represent the, the popular narrative. Talk about yeah. something extremely racist. Mm. We've got some problems. Okay. So. I'm, I hear you. James. Yeah. Give well, it to us, brother. Leon, my, my experiences with discrimination in Utah have been by white liberals. You know, I've been called the N-word and every other name in the book, and they felt justified in doing that because I'm a black Republican who is also conservative. It's like, how dare you? And my response has always been, well, how dare you be a white liberal and also be racist? So you reconcile <laughs> that. You, you understand? So the point simply is this, is that with conservatives, they always want to know, um, you know, tell me what you believe. Tell me what your point of view is on this. They actually want to get to know me as an individual, okay. you know, as opposed to just, okay, this is your skin color, so now I've decided who you are. And, and that, to me, is the greatest injustice you can do to any individual. Mm -hmm. It's just to say, you're the skin color, you're this gender, whatever, so therefore, you fit in this box. If you don't, anything outside of that, we don't want to hear from you because they're not willing to engage you as a complete human being. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, and my experience in Utah has been, conservatives here in Utah have always in, uh, embraced and wanted to get to know me as a person and where I stood on issues. And trust me, I've had many battles on different issues, but it was about the issue, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, what, that's what's so fulfilling, as opposed to hearing from liberals that say, you're black, you have to believe this, how dare you? You can never overcome that. And if you really think about it, the last time we had to be something because we were black was when? <laughs> well, you see, I, I've, I've never met these liberals that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess, I guys hang with some different liberals. Everybody but, has a different experience. Yeah. Right? I, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's unique, but I, I, you I guys appreciate aren't conservatives. Your, your, you, you, you aren't on the Republican part of things. Well, I'm just saying, I've never, I've never heard these, these, these liberals you speak of. That's part of the reason of, I don't. I, that's I, part I of the reason I don't do that. And maybe it's because I choose to see people as individuals and I choose to get to know everybody for who they are regardless of what their political leaning or anything is because I want to learn from people and I, I value people's experience and uh, I feel like that collective wisdom of learning from everybody has value so I don't probably run into those conflicts as much because yeah. I, I don't it's more in politics yeah. and I want to clarify what I call authentic liberals the ones that just you know, they have their beliefs, but they are accepting of everyone. Yeah. Those I get along with. But when you talk about the activists, progressive, um, you know, folks, uh, like you're talking about with the BLM and all of those, oh. yeah, they have just decided, you're the skin color, you have to be this way. If you're not, you're the enemy. I want to have you guys get some of your final thoughts before we wrap up. Uh, let's start with you, Carrie. Sure. It's about um, 30 seconds. Absolutely. Um, I think that the most important thing that that people need to realize if we're going to survive and if we do consider ourselves all like true Americans who love this country is that we need to see ourselves as individuals. I think that we need to be more about the individual and less about the collective because the collective stops us being able to think for ourselves and thinking for ourselves is how we rise. James? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, um, and with respect to race, I think it's, our discussion needs to be more nuanced now. It's not so much about a skin color as it is a culture. And a perfect example is uh, Nigerians are black, 
I'm black. But when you look at the uh, earning power of Nigerians, they rank at the top per capita income. So it cannot be that racism is stopping them. It has to be something rooted in their culture about their desire to succeed. Um, I truly understand why we are where we are in America as black Americans, given our history. So that's why I think the conservative solution is what Carrie pointed out. When we think critically, individually, and, and, and not get in the way of ourselves by first believing that, you know, I can do this or I'm going to try. So my grandma used to say, nothing beats a failure, but a try. So all you have to do is try it. I love that. I Great. Love that. All right, guys, we got to wrap yeah. this up. So but it was such a pleasure having you. Thank you for your, your experiences. I love, love these conversations. You know, something good to learn from each other. reminds me of being home in my uh, living room with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Great, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture. Check out our website for even more content, including interviews with some pretty dope BIPOC business owners. You can find all that in a bag of chips at pbsutah.org slash roots. And you'd be doing us a solid if you told all your friends about our show. But until next time, y'all, we are out.